0: So we're doing uh, week 14 in our series on Revelation. Uh, This week's message, as we finish up chapter 5, is a new song in heaven. You know, one of my my favorite moments every Sunday is Megan's prayer right before I come up to preach. Have you ever asked yourself, why do we do that? Is that prayer right before I preach, is it some sort of mystical activity that we hope sprinkles some good fortune into our service? I mean, is that why we do it? Or is there something more to it? Is there something deeper? Why do we do the things the way we do here when we worship? Where does Grace Life as a church get its liturgy? How do we decide on our order of service? I mean, let's just be honest. It would be a lot less work a lot less stress and a lot less money if it was just Megan on the keyboard and then me chum up to preach. But for, but for some reason, music plays a huge part in what we do on Sunday mornings and not just here in every church. What we do on Sunday mornings, if you haven't figured it out yet, is the biggest portion of our budget and requires more time and effort than anything else we do throughout the week. So why do we believe it's important to have such skilled musicians? And we do have fantastic musicians. Most churches, some of them three or four, five times our size would kill to have musicians like we do. Why do we have the good sound system and the lights and the projection? And I'm still asking, maybe some of you are asking, why did we spend so much money and time getting this worship space right? from February on to get it ready for our grand opening. I mean, from an earthly perspective, it sure seems like a waste of money if you don't understand the scriptures. See, there's a deep biblical reason. I can smell that incense. Can some of you see it? For these guys watching on the live stream, and I apparently there's a lot of you this week, (laughs) right? there's incense coming up from there and there's a reason for that and we'll get to that later but there's a deep biblical reason we put so much effort and money and time into every Sunday and it's way beyond just because we like good music let's look at the passage this week from Revelation chapter 5 verses 8 to 14 you can skip that forward to me it's not working there there we go this is after the lamb had taken the scroll We, we preached about that last week and in this series on Revelation, each one really is built upon another. So if you need to go back, you can. That's on YouTube or our podcast. When he had taken the scroll, the, the Lamb of God, when he had taken the scroll, the four living creatures and the 24 elders fell down before the Lamb, each holding a harp and golden bowls full of incense, which are the prayers of the saints. They sang a new song saying, Worthy are you to take the scroll to open its seals, for you were slain, and by your blood you ransomed people for God from every tribe, every language, every people and nation. Go forward for me, guys. This isn't working. There we go. You have made them a kingdom of priests to our God. They shall reign on the earth. And then I looked and I heard around the throne the living creatures and the elders, the voice of many angels numbering myriads, of myriads and thousands of thousands saying aloud with a voice, worthy is the Lamb who was slain to receive power, wealth, wisdom, might, honor, glory, and blessing. You guys have to do that for me this week. And I heard every creature in heaven, earth, and under the earth, and in the sea, and all that is in them saying, to him who sits on the throne and to the Lamb, be blessing, honor, glory, glory, and might forever and ever, and the four living creatures said, "Amen." And the elders fell down in worship. So I don't know if the other one was working better. If you guys want to have somebody run up the other uh, clicker to me, that'd be great. Uh, this one, I think, I think uh, somebody broke this one. Probably Brandon. You're back in town this week, so you. you. <laughs> Thanks. <clears throat> Let's try that one. <clears throat> Did that one work for you earlier? Yeah. Okay, here you go. Oh yeah, fantastic. This is is the Old Testament history of worship. I want to show you. We see several components of worship combined and, and contained in this passage. There's harps, there's new songs, there's prayers, and there's multitudes. All these components, the ones I just named, were important parts of a worship expression by God's people throughout the Old Testament. First of all, I want you to see the harps and strings Throughout Psalms, harps are described, and this is beautiful, by the way, harps are described as the initiation of worship. I'm not going to list all the passages in Psalms that talk about harps being used before God's word is spoken or taught. There's too many of them. But they were used as a sign to gather people for prophecy. And by the way, prophecy isn't predictions. Prophecy means you're about to hear a relevant word of God declared in community. And there are dozens of instances of harps that are all connected to teaching and prophesying God's word in community in the Old Testament. As people gathered together a couple of examples in 2 Kings, Elisha said, bring me a musician. And when the musician played, the hand of the Lord came upon him. And Elisha said, thus says the Lord. He asked for a harp first. In 1 Chronicles, look what David does here. And David and the chiefs of service, in other words, people who were in charge of worship, also set apart for the service those who prophesied with lyres, harps, and cymbals. People who prophesied with instruments. You see this? Who prophesied with the lyre in thanksgiving and praise to God. This is why you see the mention of harps. In the book of Revelation, chapter 5, it is always a precursor, an announcer of saying, listen carefully, God is going to say something relevant to you. It's why we have worship every week, because we have faith that as God's word is open, the spirit will tell us what he wants us to hear. Then you see this beautiful picture of incense. This is... I think if you can understand the picture of what incense stands for in Revelation, the whole rest of the book begins to fall in place for you. So listen carefully. Incense is also used throughout Scripture as part of an offering that people were required to do to prepare themselves to be able to come near to God. This specific incense that's being talked about in Revelation 5 was something that came from what is called in the Old Testament the evening offering. It was actually a morning and evening ritual. And we see it described in Exodus chapter 30, verse 7. Every morning, when he dresses the lamps, Aaron shall burn it. And when Aaron sets up the lamps at twilight, he shall burn it. A regular incense offering before the Lord throughout all generations. You shall not offer unauthorized incense, a burnt offering or grain offering. You shall not pour a drink offering on it. This was a description. I want you to notice the frequency, morning and evening, every day, throughout the generations. I want you to notice the the exclusivity. Only certain people were able to do it. More on that later. Some more history as we see this idea of new songs all throughout Scripture. This is beautiful. It's not just someone who writes a new poem. I mean, it could contain that. But really what a new song means, it is something that has inspired a unique act of worship because of something God has said or something God has done. Exactly. That's a new song. <laughs> and throughout the Bible, we see this phrase, a new song. And it really means an ex- it's a spontaneous, artistic response to the acts or the words of God. Sometimes it's a celebratory new song. Sometimes it's a song that contains lament and heartbreak. But it is always specific to something God is doing or has done or has said. It's always thought-provoking. It's always passionate. It's always a spontaneous expression. And these new songs are seen as special moments. These new songs are gifts from God marking an intersection. And what is that intersection? We've been talking about it here the last three weeks. Those moments when heaven and earth through an open door are joined together. There are many examples of people singing a new song. Responding to God doing something great, something specific. For example, Moses, when God led Israel out of Egypt in Exodus 15, the scripture says he sang a new song. David, when God rescued him and delivered him from danger, from Saul and his men in Psalm 18, he sang a new song. Asaph, when the temple construction was completed in 2 Chronicles 5, he sang a new song. Hezekiah, when God allowed him the privilege of repairing the temple in 2 Chronicles 29, he sang a new song. Mary, when God fulfilled his promise that she would bear a son as a virgin... In Luke chapter 1, she sang a new song. So this is the history of worship throughout the Old Testament and, frankly, into the New. Let's look at the spiritual section of our passage. What about God? What does he do? What is the theology that we're going to learn here? I want you to see there is a heavenly, a heavenly order of worship that is laid out. We see worship begins with the 24 elders And remember from our previous passages, the elders represent all of God's chosen redeemed throughout human history. There is significance as to why they hold the privilege of being the first to lead this chorus of the new song worship that we see spelled out in verse 10, which is a repeat of what John said in chapter 1, verse 6. And what was that? Watch this you made them a kingdom. ...and priests to our God. See, the result of this scroll that Jesus, the Lamb of God, opened... ...is he created a kingdom of priests who had a reason... ...for a spontaneous reaction to what God had done. He gave them a new song. And this, the bowls of incense... ...it's just a beautiful picture, isn't it? Of the kingdom of priests in action... This kingdom that we've been emphasizing for, what, a year now? Through 1st, 2nd, 3rd John and 1st and 2nd Peter? Kingdom of priests who specialize in proclamation, integrity, and industry. And once you understand the meaning of these bowls, the rest of the passage all falls into place. Track with me here. Look what the Bible has to say about this evening sacrifice that we talked about in Exodus. These prayers of the saints. Look at number 16. No outsider who is not of the descendants of Aaron. And who were the descendants of Aaron? Priests. Only Aaron's descendants were priests. No outsider who is not of the priests should draw near to burn incense before the Lord, lest he become like Korah and his company. And by the way, they were people who tried to burn incense and they shouldn't have and they died. Because they weren't Aaron's descendants. The priesthood of proclamation, integrity, and industry. Remember our Exodus passage earlier? Watch this. You're going to get, if, you, if you're one of those that likes links in the Bible that link passages to others, you're going to love this in Psalm 141, verse 2. Look what David prays. Let my prayer be counted as what? Who David wasn't a descendant of Aaron. Let my prayers be counted as incense before you, and the lifting up of my hands as what? The evening sacrifice. Do you see this prophecy? It's a prophecy of the prayers of the redeemed replacing the evening offering, prayers that fully satisfy the Lord. Wow! And why? Because the Lamb of God opened the scroll. And the warning in Numbers that says the wrong people should not burn incense at the wrong time at the wrong place. That warning no longer applies. He has made us, when he opened the scroll, a kingdom of priests. Just as he declared he would in chapter 1 and now here in chapter 5 verse 10. And our prayers have become... Like the incense from the golden bowls that only the Levites, the descendants of Aaron, could offer before. And now all of us can. Hence, we have the object lesson today. Some of you can kind of smell that aroma, can't you? Just wait. You're going to love this. I can't wait. I I want to skip to it, but I don't. I can't get out of words. But let's look at this new song. This is beautiful. We are leading this kingdom of priests are actually leading The worship in heaven and earth with our new song, our spontaneous reaction to what God has done, celebrating what only the redeemed can fully appreciate. Notice the description in Psalm 33 as to why we, as the kingdom of priests, sing this new song. It's because of the word of the Lord. Again, prophecy. Psalm 33, verse 3 and 4. Sing to him a new song, play skillfully on the strings with loud shouts, for the word of the Lord is upright and all his work is done in faithfulness. That's why we sing a new song, because the word of God is true and what he has done is faithful. By the way, another name for Jesus is what? Faithful and true. Our new song that we sing together is a declaration to all creation what the Lamb has done for us when he opened the scroll. Look what happens. All creation joins in. I want you to watch the impact and scope of our royal priesthood. This will blow you away. Throughout scripture, God calls his redeemed to worship together in large gatherings of people. Throughout. Some examples in 1 Chronicles 16, verse 23 and 24. Sing to the Lord all the earth tell of his salvation, that's our new song, from day to day, declare day to day, just like the evening offering. Declare his glory among the nations, his marvelous works among all the peoples. Look at Psalm 102, verse 21 and 22, that they may declare in Zion the name of the Lord when peoples gather together and kingdoms to worship the Lord. And look at Isaiah 42, verse 10. Sing to the Lord a new song. His praise from the end of the earth. You who go down to the sea and all that fills it. Because of the Lamb who has opened the scroll and because of that has made us a kingdom of priests, all creation can sing what song? Our song. Not their song. They're singing our song. The scope of worship that we ring out with in heaven begins to reverberate as it echoes our new song and that echo reaches the expansions of creation. Then myriads and myriads and thousands of thousands. Myriad itself means 10,000. And John sees this immense number that joins in. You know, the scripture never says once you get to this number, cut it off. There's never an idea that is too many gathering together. These are powerful, universal gatherings of God's people, this kingdom of priests. Now let this sink in. The response of all creation, including the angels that we described, remember a couple of weeks ago, the seraphim, every living being in heaven and earth joins in to our new song. They're waiting for us to drop a new song every week. And the last thing we see is the lamb on the throne. In chapter 4, verse 10, the elders fell down and worshiped God on the throne, God the Father. But now here at the end of chapter 5, they're worshiping the lamb that was slain. What happened here? The lamb who opened the scroll has now taken his place with the father on the throne. It is, in fact, the very coronation of our Jesus. All right, what about the personal section? What are we supposed to do with this, and why, and how do we do it? You know, we are heaven's worship leaders. This was my sermon preview this week that I put up on social media. God has designated his church as lead worshipers for all heaven and earth. Another reason we should always cherish time together in community. You know, today's passage describes worship in heaven led by the redeemed, this kingdom of priests something we are all part of if you know jesus if you have ears to hear what the spirit says to the churches jesus opening the scroll changed the whole reason for worship it used to be worshiping in awe and sacrifice but now our new song is not one of awe and sacrifice it's one of joy and celebration Do you see what happened and it's for all those who have ears to hear Our worship of the Lamb of God is so compelling. It is so powerful. All heaven and earth cannot bear but do one thing. Follow our lead. And why? Why are we so compelling to follow when it comes to worship? Because we, the redeemed, that royal priesthood, we understand redemption more than anyone. Don't we? We know our depravity. We know our sin. We know how far away we were from God until the Lamb of God who opened the scroll brought us near and made us kingdom of priests. We have a greater understanding than anything or anyone in creation about what it means to have his love and his grace and his mercy. Angels don't understand God's mercy. It's why the scripture says in Hebrews that the angels all look at what God is doing with his redeemed and they're stunned by it. All the heavenly hosts are fascinated by how God is interacting with his chosen people. And the order of worship we have seen in today's passage with the music and the new song and then the proclaiming of the truth and all the multitudes, that order of worship is natural, it's organic. And notice some reason it's a pattern we instinctively follow today. It's a natural organic order of things. You know why? Because that's how worship breaks out in heaven. Look at this passage in Ephesians chapter 5. As Christ loved us and gave himself up for us, a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. Do you see the tie to the incense? Look at 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 15. For we are the aroma of... Isn't that beautiful? We are the aroma of Christ to God among those who are being saved and among those who are perishing. See, here's the miracle. Our worship is a satisfying experience, not just for us, but our God is fully pleased by it. And that's what shocks the heavenly hosts. And, you know, we know that our worship being pleasing to God is a miracle. We know it has to be supernatural because I've heard some of you sing. (laughs) Okay? See, this is another evidence of how the cross, how Jesus opening the scroll changed everything. All has been made new. And when Jesus opened that scroll and fulfilled the covenant that was within it, and when he took the throne, creation looked around to us and said, okay, we're ready, sing your new song so that we can join in. We don't know how to worship this, please show us, church. And then there's this kingdom of priests declaring his glory, declaring his power, declaring his mercy and grace. This, church, is what God has created us to do. This is our role we gather on sunday mornings and it's not just for us heaven and earth are eagerly awaiting our new song to the king but here's something else interesting i know there's going to be a lot of scripture on the screen how but i i I wanted to put it all together just so you could get the hang of it It, look at look at what paul says in romans 8. i'll try to read this in a way that you can track but I wish I could have broken it up, but I couldn't any more than I did. For creation waits with creation, waits with eager longing for the revealing of the sons of God. That's us. That the creation itself will be set free from its bondage to corruption and obtain the freedom of the glory of the children of God. That is us. Not only the creation... But we ourselves groan inwardly as we wait eagerly for the adoption as sons, the redemption of our bodies. That's the reason for our new song. Likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. We do not know what to pray, the fragrant aroma that pleases God. We don't know what to pray for as we ought, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. See, many are tempted to worship the creation itself. But it's actually creation that is longing, waiting for us to worship its creator. So does this responsibility intimidate you? Do you feel inadequate? Well, don't worry, because the spirit is interceding working in and through us because of the Lamb who's opened the scroll, who contains the seven spirits that we learned about a few weeks ago. Those seven spirits are flowing in and out of this kingdom of priests, giving us what we need to lead all creation in worship. So now you understand why Paul says this in Hebrews 10. And let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting meeting together as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another all the more as you see the day drawing near. You know, this passage teaches us how important our worship is in the kingdom of heaven. This is why we should never neglect the opportunity to sing our new song together. Not only does our spirit groan for it, so is all creation. Please, church, sing your song. We want to join in. Worship starts with us. As we join with the rest of the the redeemed across the world and across human history. And all creation follows our lead. Our prayers fill the earth just like this incense even as evil is still running to and fro boy you know how frustrating it must be to be in the forces of darkness constantly they're doing going around doing their evil and all of a sudden this waft of sweet fragrant prayers of god's redeemed come through their nostrils because of that lamb that's opened that darn scroll and then they constantly hear the echoes Of the strum of our harps and our strings. They're smelling our prayers. They're hearing the words of our new song. It must be like to the forces of darkness, nails on a chalkboard to Satan and his forces of darkness. What? Not this. And how thrilled and relieved they probably are when we neglect to do so. How thrilled the forces of darkness are when we decide not to do what we've been created to do. To worship in community. But to our Father, this worship is a fully satisfying sacrifice of praise from the holy nation of priests that the Lamb of God has created when he opened that scroll. And when we worship together, in community, we are part of this same scene that John describes right now in heaven. And some of you, maybe in the back, you can't, but some of you in the front few rows, maybe you can smell some of this. When we sing our new song, this is what fills the throne room. And the Lamb is pleased and says, Look at my kingdom of priests singing a new song. All creation, Now's your chance to join in. Heavenly Father, we're so humbled by this honor and privilege you give us to be the beginners, the leaders of worship in heaven. But we know why, because we're the only ones that can really understand what forgiveness means. So in that sense, it's our sinfulness and our need to be cleansed of it that makes us appropriate lead worshipers. Thank you, Jesus, for opening that scroll, fulfilling that covenant, and making us a kingdom of priests. Lord, we confess to you there are far too many things that distract us from what we have been created to do. Help us to become disciplined. Help us to fulfill not only our longing for worship and prayer... But the longing that creation has for us to do what we are supposed to do. Lord, I pray for our church, where there's so many things that we struggle with from week to week as a church. We're in this weird transition time, learning about this new facility and this new neighborhood, and people coming and going. But here's what we know. We will not stop week after week singing our new song. We will not stop offering up these fragrant prayers that are a pleasing aroma to you. May they, just like this little object lesson we have here on the steps, may they fill your room, make you satisfied. And may the rest of creation join in with our new song. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You guys have a great 4th of July weekend. We love you guys. We'll see you next week.